Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hey friends, and welcome back to the podcast. We have a little bit of a different style of episode today uh, because I'm actually interviewing Christina. So uh, I know I feel fun. This feels like a little bit of a throwback from when I used to be like an every now and now and again guest. So feels kind of fun to <laughs> and weird all at the same time. So yeah, I'm very different excited. Different topic though. So, okay, we both work with a lot of clients who struggle with this and then we get a, we have gotten a lot of questions about this on social media and stuff. And so we wanted to do an episode on basically like nutrition for pregnancy, real talk, right? Because oh, yeah. out, out there in the world, there's many different things, unsolicited advice when you become pregnant or if you have friends that are pregnant or, you know, anything like that. And it's like, oh, you should do this. I did this. You should do this, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, ah, you know, especially when we are advocates of like trying to tune in and learn to listen to your body. And of course, there's a lot of troubleshooting that has to go on with the different symptoms that you may experience during pregnancy. So, uh, that's, that's where we're going today. Yeah. I also want to just make the caveat too, that people know, like, I also know that this goes on well before people are even pregnant, um, in the fertility world and like all of that. Um, there's so much food perfectionism and things that happen uh, like, um, in that stage as well. I didn't experience any kind of difficulty with pregnancy itself, like getting pregnant. So I don't have a lot of like firsthand experience. So I'm only going to talk about my personal experience while I was pregnant, not all that, but I just know that I think everything that's kind of said here can be applied to that. Um, and if anyone wants us to talk about that sometime, I'm happy to bring someone on to talk about it, like a special episode. So yeah, well, hold on, let that be known. Disclaimer, you didn't have any trouble getting pregnant. The trouble came once you were pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Which we're going to get into. Just a quick update with some exciting news before we get started with today's episode. So since it's summer and we know that this can be a really tough time on body image for everybody. We are bringing you more body image focused content in our weekly episodes this month and a ton of body image focused bonus content over on our Patreon as well. And even though we're nearing the end of season six of the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, don't worry, we're not going anywhere. We're just going on a summer break for August and then we'll be back in early September. While we're going to be on break, we're going to be dropping content weekly from our body image audit course over on our Patreon throughout all of July and August. Throughout this month in July, you're going to see bonus content like how to get started working on body image, what is body image and why does mine suck, and then also the top four body image myths. So if you are interested in checking any of this out, head over to the show notes and all the links will be there, but it's patreon.com slash wholehearted eating. And a really cool new feature that they just added, if you would like to check out all of our stuff, but you're not ready to join our membership yet, you can also do a week free trial 
and see what you think. So head on over to patreon.com slash wholehearted eating and we'll see you over there with a ton of body image content for the summer. Oh so, my god, yes. <laughs> interviewer hat on. Okay, so we wanted to start with a little bit of a lay of the land with what does the nutrition information advice out there look like when you're trying to conceive and when you are pregnant, right? Because there's for the most part, there's two very different camps. Um, and depending on how your social media is curated, you're most likely seeing either one or the other. So Christina, can you explain those a little bit more? Yeah. So I think the two like big camps for me is kind of like the, um, more like traditional dietary government my plate where it's going to tell you like how many grams of protein you need to add and different things like that it's going to be very specific around for pregnancy and everything like that so you can can make sure that you're getting enough nutrients for yourself and for the baby as it's growing and all of the things and then the other side of that coin and i i actually understand like then I also just want to like make a note I understand the need for paying attention nutritionally and having a desire to pay attention nutritionally from while you're pregnant and wanting to make sure that you're adding in certain amount of stuff because as I said to clients and as what was said to me um your baby's going to take whatever it needs and it's going to deplete it from you so if you're not giving enough and providing enough for it um, it's going to take everything that you have and <laughs> leave nothing for you. And so you have to take that into consideration. So I think that's like an important thing. So paying attention to nutrition while you're pregnant makes sense to me if you have the capacity to do so. And that's like the caveat that we'll get into. But the flip side, like the other side of the coin that I see a lot is so heavy in perfectionism around food, like eating quote unquote clean and eating real and things like that, things of that nature that come up a lot during pregnancy around like wanting to make sure that you're providing your baby with like all of like the cleanest ingredients and the cleanest nutrients and all of these different things that you can come across a lot when you like Google like food for pregnancy. I also feel like in general, when you first get pregnant, when you go and Google like, what can I eat when I'm pregnant? There's like naturally already an immediate list of things that you can eat. So for someone who has a history of kind of restrictive eating, it can be really overwhelming and really triggering right off the bat. Like, okay, so I can't have deli meat. I can't have sushi. I can't have these things like... And um, that can feel already really limiting. And so then you go into like, okay, so then naturally you'll go into them. What can I eat? Um, and so then you can fall into really easily these two different like web spheres of places that you can fall into. And it could be kind of like, okay, well, here's like this more like um, practical, removing these certain types of things that are harmful, potentially harmful. And then adding in certain types of stuff, or you can go like deep into <laughs> deep into it and heavy into being really clear and perfectionistic about all the different foods that you're quote unquote allowed to eat while you're pregnant. And for someone who has a history of disordered eating or eating disorders, going to something that's like a very like clean base 
kind of thing could be very alluring to somebody because you'll be reading it and you'll think, okay, it's very clear what I can eat, what I should be eating. And also at the same time, you're thinking to yourself, I want to make sure that this growing baby is getting everything that it needs and it's being provided to it in like a really, really healthy, wonderful way. Especially like I could see it being layered on with like, did you have trouble getting pregnant? Do you feel like anything that you do could potentially harm this, this experience for yourself? And so I think in that there can be like this built in kind of worry around if I'm not doing everything that I can food wise and doing that really, really perfectly, whether that's adding in enough stuff from the dietary, like government, my plate kind of energy, or if it's, I'm reading about all of like the clean eating for pregnancy type of stuff. It's hard to not become completely engulfed in that and become obsessed with making sure that you're doing that. And then also at the same time, feeling kind of lost. Like, I feel like that can happen a lot. I think I've described the two, the two (laughs) areas data. Maybe I went off track a little bit, but I think you get the idea. (laughs) No, I don't think so. I mean, it's basically there's, you know, the government's dietary guidelines, and then there's what we call uh, the raw liver people, um, (laughs) which is more of the this, a lot of this comes from the functional medicine perspective of people. Yeah. Um, but so actually I want to go back to one of the things that you said, right? Because we're not saying that like we're advising zero restrictions on anything, right? So for example, there's a couple of things that are commonly mentioned in, you know, nutrition for pregnancy and stuff like that in terms of like things that you quote should be avoiding. So like deli meat, raw eggs, sushi. Can you go into like, what's the reasoning behind those for people? Well, for the deli meat and a lot of that is mainly bacteria, you know, it's like listeria and bacteria that can, that can cause harm to the growing baby inside of like the growing baby and the fetus and also harm to you. But listeria, I believe is more of like, you won't feel anything, but it can impact the baby. But I think something that people don't always realize that listeria cooks off and so you can actually cook it and then it wouldn't be as much of an issue and it it's not just deli meat itself it's really anything from the deli because listeria gets passed through the the meat slicer and so if they're using the cheese slicer if they're using the meat slicer it can get hit from there but really any kind of like food safety to me just becomes a little bit more charged during pregnancy and being able to pay more attention to that. So I feel like you could also run into the same types of issues with like, you know, E. coli or anything like that, or any kind of like foodborne illness is going to be a little bit more impactful on your system, but listeria specifically mercury. And that's what the raw fish is about. I think for the most part, um, and also again, bacteria and like eggs, not fully cooked. That's part of it too. Bacteria's and things of that nature. That's how I've always approached it. And what I believe that is the case, you know, I think if you go into other things, like, I think that's the evidence, but I think other people would talk about other stuff too, um, that I'm not going to dive into. Cause I don't know how evidence-based that is as much of that is like food perfectionism. Yeah. Okay. So let's go more into personal experience now and bring <laughs> client stuff if you want to. So can you talk about what you thought your nutrition for pregnancy journey was going to be like, and then what it actually was like. (laughs) 
Oh, guys. Oh, guys. This was such a big drop in like reality. Like, it's like the perfect. I wish that I could do like an Instagram reel of like what I thought it was going to Maybe I will. I'll try to do it for you guys somehow. But like, what I thought pregnancy was going to be like for me and then what it actually was. And I, I told like, I can't remember who I've talked this about, but anyways, I'll talk about it here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I always pictured my pregnancy because I was a nutritionist. And at the time I had just, I was in the, like the, when I got pregnant with Elodie, I was in the ending of my, my master's program in clinical nutrition. I was just finishing up at MUIH. Um, that's the Maryland University, like Maryland um, University for Integrative Health for people who don't know MUIH. So I was like deep into like all of these different things and learning about everything. And, but I still at that time was not a restrictive person. I knew that I wanted to get into eating disorder work. So I wasn't like highly restrictive, but I did have this idea of like, I'm a nutritionist. Like I know how to feed my nourishing baby and I can nourish my growing baby. And like, I honestly pictured it like this goddess-like experience where I was just going to be like, you know, doing all of the things and eating like vegetables. Casey would be feeding you grapes while you lounge on a chaise. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like I really pictured and I pictured like my energy would be great because I know how to take care of myself and like all the things because I had done all the work, you know, like I was already at the point when I wasn't like feeling triggered by food anymore. And I was allowing myself to eat like various different things. And I felt like I could marry the two things in a really wholehearted eating way. Like, I think this is around the time when wholehearted eating came to life for us, where we like mapped it out. And so I had this really beautiful idea of what it was going to be like the marriage of these two things. And for the first six weeks, that's exactly what it was. (laughs) Um, and I thought, and I remember my parents, we went out to dinner, like me, Casey, my parents, and it was like the night that I told them, and my, my dad was like, well, how do you feel? I go, I feel fantastic. Like, I feel great. And I was maybe only like six weeks pregnant at the time. And then like two weeks later, it was like, woof, like awful, awful morning sickness. Like, and I actually hate the term morning sickness, sickness, because it's not just the morning guys. It's literally all day, every day. And I think like the highlight for me is like to level with you. I didn't eat anything green or grown from the earth for probably seven months of my pregnancy with Elodie. Did not do it. Like, not ha- did not happen like i physically couldn't eat it like without getting violently ill um i had pretty extreme morning sickness um and nausea with Elodie and also like a lot of fatigue and thing i mean it wasn't that different for noah either i just was like give me the drugs <laughs> when i had noah so that i could eat and i think like that was another part too is i felt at the time like my experience was i wanted to have this experience of like being able to feed myself and feeling like I knew what I was doing and knew how to do that. And I knew that I could do that without being restrictive or anything like that. And I didn't, I knew I wasn't going to feed into like the eating the liver capsule type vibe. Like I knew that I was like, that's hogwash and sounds disgusting, pregnant or not. (laughs) So I was kind of like, I've done liver and I'm not into it. We don't play nice. And so I kind of like, 
knew that going into it, that I could have that kind of balance in, in that way and knew that I could resist that. But then when I got so sick, it felt like nothing was available to me. And I ended up eating kind of whatever stayed down is how I approached it. And that was, I knew that the way for me to to have less nausea was like, I would drink soda. Like I would have like Sprite and stuff like that. And like, if you had asked me if I drank soda before that, I'd been like, no, I would never drink soda while I'm pregnant, <laughs> you know? And now I'm like, like, it was like a godsend. It was like everything. Like I lived for like, oh, I need soda. Like someone give me some soda to survive until like my next- Ginger meal. ale and crackers. Yeah, no, like seriously. And I think like, one of the things that I was thinking about it too, like why did it work so well and, and why did I give myself such a hard time? Because I really did feel awful about not having more like nutrient dense meals and things like that because I was worried about, well, where is the nutrients going to come from if I'm not giving it? And then I was kind of like, that's what the prenatal is for. <laughs> I just kind of like changed gears. But even then, like I want to normalize too. I also had a really hard time taking my prenatal vitamins. And that was also really difficult for me too, because I would get sick. And so I just leaned into whatever made me feel like I could actually eat. And that looked a lot like bagels with peanut butter and macaroni and cheese and Sprite and a lot of Ben and Jerry's. And crackers. And crackers, a lot of crackers and stuff like that too. And I feel like there was like a very strong difference between what I pictured things were going to be like and then what my body was like, psych, not going to happen. Like we're going to derail everything and you're going to go in this direction instead and you're going to have to deal with it. (laughs) And I had a lot of trouble with that the first time. It was really hard for me. And I felt like Also, too, that my experience with nausea was really brushed off. Like everyone kept saying like, well, we'll just wait till you're 13 weeks along. And then it will like one day you'll wake up and it will be gone. And the doctors never gave me any kind of medication, didn't really support that in any way. I also didn't ask for it. I also felt like that was weak in some way. I don't know why, but I felt like that at the time and just felt like my body knows what to do. Like that's honestly like kind of like thoughts that I had and that this would go away and it didn't. And, you know, I think also too, like my body was doing exactly what it needed to do. It just does it differently. And my experience was not this like goddessy experience that I was expecting to have happen at all. And yeah, it was a huge reality check. And for someone who had a really strong history with orthorexic tendencies and eating disorder, disordered eating patterns. This was the most humbling experience in my journey of all time because it was so triggering. And I really, and at this time, at this point, I was working with people with eating disorders at the time. And so I really had to do, put my money where my my mouth was, you know, like I really had to dig in and say, no, I'm going to practice what I preach. And it was hard as shit. (laughs) Is that real? Was that honest enough for everybody? Yeah. What about the differences between number one and number two? 
Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> there was major differences between one and number two. So we knew going into having Noah that I would probably have morning sickness again. I never got past my morning sickness. It never um, went away with Elodie. I had it the entire pregnancy. And I remember at one point I said to like a friend of mine that, um, that maybe it was going away. And she goes, did it go away or did you just get used to it? And I said, you know what? I think you're right. I probably did just get used to it. And I knew how to kind of manage it in its own way. And like nothing worked like the ginger things that people said that that made me want to throw up to. But with Noah, so we, (laughs) we knew going into it that this was probably going to happen. And then I was probably going to feel this way, but I was really hopeful that it wasn't going to happen. Um, And with Noah, I felt like how sick I was with Elodie, I couldn't do that same thing this time around because I had a three-year-old that I had to keep up with and do stuff with and everything. I couldn't I couldn't be nauseous all day, every day and just deal with it. Like I couldn't do that because we had stuff that was going on. We were like on this moving train. And so for me, my approach was like, I was very much ahead of it. And I didn't have a problem turning to my midwives and saying, this shit's not going to fly this time. Like I'm not playing this game. I want something immediately and I want it available by this time and I want to have access to it immediately. And it didn't work. Like I got on the medication that they had. I got nausea medication. I went in eventually like you have, they tend to have you wait a little bit longer if you're going past um, a certain, a certain time with having nausea. I was never diagnosed with the syndrome for that, um, which that never came up. I felt like sometimes like it was kind of dismissed. Like I just had like a weak stomach, but I was like, no, I don't have a weak stomach. Like this is insane. Um, and, um, I, I didn't mess around this next time with no, I think that's like the first part. And I didn't have a problem telling my doctors like, nah, this shit's not working. Like I'm feeling awful and I can't deal. And I, I literally need the energy you to chase my kid around on top of building this baby. And I can't, I can't not be able to eat. Um, so there was a huge difference between the two. I, I had a lot going on when I was pregnant with Noah that influenced my energy levels in a different way, like with post, like with prenatal depression and things like that, that came up. So in, in all seriousness, like my hormones just kind of go bonkers when I'm pregnant and I just become like a completely different person. Like it's like a completely different Christina. Um, but with Noah, as far as food is concerned, like from that experience, it was more of a, I'm not gonna do this and I'll do everything I can in order to, to have this suppressed as much as possible and supported through medication. And so I ended up on uh, anti-nausea medication that they give cancer patients because it was so bad. But you have to wait until a certain time because there is some research that it can impact your baby's heart um, if it's given too early. And so we waited until after we saw like her chambers of her heart and the development of her heart and it was solid. And so then I felt more comfortable being able to go down that road. 
and um, having that medication. But I think that was like probably the biggest difference is I was kind of like, why did I like grin and bear it? with Elodie so much and felt terrible. And then with Noah, I was like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not doing that again. I'm not going down that road because it just yeah. felt impossible. Yeah. So if people are out there dealing with morning <laughs> sickness slash all of the sickness, right? Not just in the mornings, um, aside from medication, like if they're either unable to get the medication or it's too early to get the medication, what are some things that you have found maybe with clients since none of it worked for you? Right? Well, like, some, of some, other some of it did. Some of it did. So I will say like um, the Zofran health, when I got the medication for that, when I was able to do that, that really did help. But there were other things that I did outside of that, that like eventually I got off, like with Noah, eventually my nausea did kind of subside a little bit and it became a little bit easier to, to deal with. And so, um, but I also have like some anatomical things that can lead me to having more nausea too, that I think is often missed in conversation. Um, like I, I have a hiatal hernia, so I have like the ability more easily to get acid reflux and acid reflux and like ongoing unmanaged acid reflux in pregnancy is actually one of the major contributing factors to having long-term nausea during your pregnancy. And, and it makes sense too, because if you have like a hiatal hernia or you have the like, um, a hiatal hernia is when your your diaphragm kind of balloons out and it presses up on your stomach. And so it it messes with your ankle of his for people who are listening. And so it makes it easier for acid from your stomach to go into your esophagus. So you can be more prone to acid reflux, more prone to Barrett's esophagus, different things like that. So that's like a side note. But as you're like getting pregnant, obviously like your belly is getting bigger and everything's getting squished, you know, and being pressed up on. So it's easy for your stomach to get pushed up. And so there be more acid reflux, like acid being like pushed into your esophagus. And so one of the things that helped me the most with Noah that I didn't know about with Elodie was um, I ended up taking um, an over-the-counter PPI, like um, Prilosec, like a maximum strength Prilosec before I went to bed. Or I did it kind of at dinner time, like, because I noticed dinner, like that, evening to the morning time was, was really tough for me. So I would take a PPI then, and also the over the counter, um, sleeping aid Unisom, those two com combined together really helped me with my nausea at the end, like towards like the second half of my pregnancy with Noah. Um, when I was pregnant with Elodie, something that I found to help was, was having, um, which like in retrospect, like, I don't know why I didn't put together that it was an acid reflux thing because I would have, um, apple cider diluted in water. And like, that sounds disgusting, but for whatever reason, it like really helped with my nausea. And I know why it helps with nausea because it helps with like acid reflux, product, like acid reflux and acid production in the stomach. So it was really, really helpful. Um, those were probably like the two like kind of secret sauces that I found with both pregnancies that really helped me a lot. And that I tell clients about all the time. B6 never did crap for me. Like everyone, <laughs> like everyone's like, take B6. I'm like, what? Like, no, this is like, 
no, not happening. <laughs> not working. <laughs> okay. So if people are really nauseous, we have to eat, right? So yeah. what are some foods that you recommend leading into? Oh, well, so here's the thing, how I approach food with pregnancy, whatever stays down. And so for me, if you're in, like, think about, I think about food as far as like how difficult it is to digest. So it makes sense that when I had really severe nausea, that I was more easily able to digest. I didn't get nauseous with white bagels and peanut butter and macaroni and cheese and ice cream and crackers because it literally has no fiber. And the fiber to me, like when I would have like a vegetable or anything like that, it was like immediately like, oh, it was almost like the body was like, this is taking too long for me to digest. And I didn't have, so like the way that I looked at it and like in like how I managed it with Elodie and how I managed it with Noah was what is the quickest way for my body to absorb energy and nutrients in the fastest way possible? That's not going to be challenging for me to digest it. So things like the way that you've always described it, like pre-digested foods, like smoothies and things like that were a lot more accessible to me with Elodie and with Noah, then when I, um, like if I tried to have, you know, like, fr- like unblended foods together. So those were like the main things like, but it makes sense, right? Like if you're having like a hard time digesting food, why would you give your body the most difficult thing to digest? That's like literally designed to slow down digestion. Mm-hmm. And I found a lot of times that's why soda worked so well for me. Cause it also helped take the edge off. So I could have like, you know, like a, I like Sprite or like a ginger ale and I would have like Sprite or ginger ale when I was starting to feel nauseous to like get my body to be like, okay, okay, now it's time to eat. And then I would have something really simple, like a French fry or like some French fries and then ease into a meal was helpful as well. Um, But also like a major thing as well that like, that, you know, if you're not someone who eats frequently throughout the day and you're more of like a three meal a day person, sorry guys, bad news, you gotta change. (laughs) Because... Um, the longer that I would wait before having anything to eat, the more it triggered the whole thing. Cause it's like two, two things, right? Like you wait too long to eat, you start to get nauseous. That's like an extreme hunger cue. And then it triggers the nausea and then all the different things that kind of happen from there. So that's why having something like easily digestible, like white bread was really easy for me to have. And it kind of took that edge off. And then I could open up to having more things with Noah. It was a lot easier because I was like, give me the drugs. And I like was able to eat. (laughs) I was like able to eat a lot more and have like a more broad dietary intake. But yeah. Yeah. Those are the, my, my main tips. Perfect. Cause I was just going to go into (laughs) if you're on the (laughs) drugs or if you're not nauseous, LOL, um, what were some of your favorite easy meal and snack ideas or like foods to include that you liked? Mm. Yeah. So I really loved with Noah really easy. Like meal was like a quesadilla. Like I had a lot of quesadillas at the time. 
Um, I also find that I crave dairy a lot when I'm pregnant. Um, and I think one, it's because we actually need more dairy when we're pregnant. And so it makes sense. Like if you think about it from that perspective. And so I leaned into a lot of dairy foods. So I had, um, a lot more cheese than probably like I was like typically would have had pre-pregnancy, but I, loved string cheese like I would have string cheese and clementines as like a snack um and crackers and things like that and then some of my go-to meals with Elodie were like honestly I really lived off of bagels and and both pregnancies actually I really loved bagels and cream cheese (laughs) less cream cheese with Elodie because it was like too much but I could have peanut butter with that with her and then with Noah I could have a little bit more, like I would have eggs in the morning. I knew that like my first meal of the day could be more robust. And so I leaned into that. I really tried to make sure that I got all of the things. So I would make like an omelet in the morning sometimes when I would have Noah. I also work from home. So I just like want to make that known. Like not everyone has time to get up in the morning and make an omelet. I understand that. And Elodie was in daycare at the time. So what I would do is I would have like a little snack in the morning, like at my bed, like I would have a drawer next to my bed in my bed stand with snacks with in it. With an omelet in it. <laughs> with an omelet ready to go that Casey provided that some little omelet fairy came and opened up the drawer and it was there and fresh in the wouldn't that be freaking awesome? And there was like a cup of coffee there too. Like here, it's, it's like ready Smart for House from the Disney Channel. Yes. Oh my God. That'd be amazing. But yeah, no. Before it went crazy. Reality was not that. Reality was there was a bag of like, you know, whatever I could get my hands on in there. Like usually some different types of like little bars and stuff like that. What else did I like? I'm trying to think of like exact things. Um, oh, I really love those Bobo's like, um, apple pie oat things. They were really satisfying and they were filling, but they were also kind of quick to absorb and not overly complex. So that was good. And I would have that in the morning and then we'd get no Elodie off to daycare. And then I would make like, kind of like my real, like my bigger breakfast at home after that. And so I did a lot of like toast with eggs um, and like maybe some fresh fruit and things like that or oatmeal I ended up liking with Noah could not have ever done that with Elodie like this was on the drugs that (laughs) that allowed me to have a broader base of things with Elodie I did do a lot of smoothies Um, I was really into smoothies a lot. Um, we used to go to this coffee shop near our house and I would get a smoothie there and a bagel. They had gluten-free bagels there. And that was like an easy breakfast for me to have and something that I could eat. And the smoothie made me feel like a little bit more like, oh, finally, okay. Like I'm getting something else in here because, you know, bagels are boring after a while. Love them. Not knocking a bagel and not knocking mac and cheese, but after a while, it's like I'm really tired of this um, and wanting some variety. But I think I'm answering the question. Those are my main foods. And I also didn't like, and with Elodie, when I was pregnant with Elodie, um, Casey and I did not eat together. I just kind of ate whatever I could. And then that was the end of it. I ate pasta, like I would eat noodles and things like that. I could do that, but I couldn't have like a red sauce with it. I could do like, 
a little something, um, maybe some chicken in there. Like I could handle with El- with Noah, I could have more of a broader dinner. And so I, we did a, like, we did kind of like a typical dinner type stuff. Although I did have a bad experience with, um, when things were spicy, like that was really difficult to me, for me, like Indian food, even though I loved it, but I did end up being able to eat it. And I craved that a lot at the end of my pregnancy with, with Noah, but Elodie, I basically lived off of Ben and Jerry's and, um, Hagen dazs and bagels and macaroni and cheese. <laughs> and she turned out fine. <laughs> they both turned out fine, right? Yeah, so the, they both turned the out fine. TLDR is like every pregnancy is going to be different. <clears throat> yeah. You know? I get semi-jealous when I hear people being like, oh, I feel great. I'm like, oh, you lucky, lucky dog, you. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know a single person who had that experience in pregnancy, so. I do. I have friends who I'm like, how are you doing this? Like, what? <laughs> that is not my life. <laughs> Not my circus, not my monkeys. Um, yep. But okay, so the the other TLDR is, from what I understand it, eat what stays down. Yeah. And then take a prenatal if you yeah. can. If you can. <laughs> Honestly, like I, I really do think about it if you can. And they're also now- powdered ones, gummies, like yeah. a whole bunch of other stuff. There's a lot of different options now. And I think at the time I was very, like I was, there's these ones that are made by this- high-end supplement brand that you take like six a day or something. Yeah, some of them are eight. It's like bonkers crazy. And so I had those when I had Elodie because I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And I never took them. Like, (laughs) (laughs) never took them. Not once. Um, But with Noah, it was easier. And I think, I honestly do think, one, I had the experience of Elodie to back me up. And I knew. And so when I got pregnant and I remember, I remember the, the day that my nausea started to hit, it was, I was throwing a baby shower for my sister-in-law and I got up in the morning to get everything ready. And prior to that, I was feeling really, really good. And my mother-in-law came down and said, Hey, what can I help you with? And I was like, you can help me with, and I was like, Oh gosh. And at this time, my sister-in-law didn't, no one knew that I was pregnant. I hadn't like announced it because she was pregnant with her baby. And I really wanted the day to be about her and like not everyone coming up to me and being like, congratulations. And like the entire time I kept thinking like, oh God, if I look at that salad that I made, I might puke. (laughs) And so my mom, my mother-in-law came down and was like, okay, it's happening. Here we are again. What do you need to do? And I go, I need Casey to go get bagels right now. Like, this is what I need. He needs to rally. I need you to make this because looking at it makes me want to hurl. <laughs> and I can't, I can't do it. And then I was able to kind of get through that day and then it hit. And yeah, there's nothing worse than your four-year-old rubbing your back while you're sick and then being like, it's okay, mommy. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, mommy can't eat dinner tonight. <laughs> oh gosh oh yeah that was humbling (laughs) yeah to say the least (laughs) oh my gosh okay um what else do you want to leave people with on this topic aside from work with a practitioner to help you (laughs) yeah I do think working with I didn't because I was like I'm a practitioner I know what I'm doing and you were working with me (laughs) I know that's true fair enough I was working with you and I think 
And that was helpful because I remember feeling so guilty about stuff with Elodie and not being able to like eat. And I was like, shut up, just eat. (laughs) Yeah, shut up and eat, like cares. And I remember like really leaning in asking for support because it felt really, it felt silly to to ask for help. But I basically turned to Casey and I said, every morning I need you to get up before I can even get up and make me like a piece of toast. I need it like before I even like get out of bed because I couldn't function. And it was like, otherwise I would, I would, I couldn't really go into the kitchen with Elodie. Like I couldn't even open up the refrigerator without getting sick. Um, so I think leaning on support, whether that's like through a practitioner, your partner, they need to be there for you. This is not just you. This is them too. They signed up and this is part of it. So lean on them, ask them for help, get them to get you snacks. I also think having a basket of snacks wherever you are, like if you're working at your desk, next to your bed, whatever it is, next to your sofa, load in on snacky snacks, stuff that like <laughs> that feel good and that work for you. Um, and I think like overall, I think letting go of the idea of what you thought it was going to look like (laughs) is probably one of the hardest ones to do. Um, but I think really, really important because it would have been really easy for me to completely beat myself up, um, when I was having Elodie and when I had Noah to not ask for help and to feel like I had to just kind of go through it and because I wanted to have things look a certain way and the moment I kind of let go of that um things became a lot more accessible yeah yeah well so friends reach out with questions (laughs) comments tell us about your experience (laughs) sorry for anybody who's thinking about getting pregnant I've now just scared the living daylights out of them. <laughs> this is why this episode is called nutrition for pregnancy. Real talk. This is yeah. like, gosh, sunshines and rainbows. And it's going to yeah. be great. That might no. be your experience, but it might not. Yeah. I also think to like buckle up, you know, like your motherhood is in parenthood is the most humbling experience of all time. And each phase is different. And pregnancy is a phase of that. And it's like kind of like the starting of it. And I do think for me, the realizing that I was no longer going to be able to run the show the way that I wanted to run the show was really important. (laughs) Even though I hated every step of the way as a little control freak that I am, um, (laughs) I, uh, that was a really big stepping stone for me in my personal growth, even though I hated every step. (laughs) Of learning that. Well, thank you for sharing. You're welcome. You know, what's funny is when you were saying like, oh, bring your snacky snacks in each room. My first thought was like, you know how people recommend for ADHD, like keep post-its in every single room. Like that doesn't fix the problem. (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. You're like keeping snacks in every room is not going to fix my nausea. (laughs) No, but having it available to like eat. And like eating more frequently, like really does help. Um, It's just kind of bonkers. 